0: it's a year and a half since the Uluru Statement from the Heart called for a First Nations voice to Parliament to be enshrined in the Constitution, and we still appear to be a ways from this happening. However, there are people within the Federal Parliament looking at how it could happen. Uh, This is despite the then Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, rejecting the statement at the time. A joint select committee with government and opposition members has just released a report on constitutional recognition relating to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Eddie Sinnott... Is an Indigenous lawyer and researcher at Griffith University who's been writing about how this new report is being received. And it's really great to have you on Triple R, Eddie. And I understand, I, I learned from you that it's the eighth report in eight years on this subject.
1: Uh, yes, it is. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, eighth report um, in eight years. So it's been a long time coming, but I guess reform in this area has been a long time coming as well.
0: Yeah. so what does this select committee report particularly look at?
1: Um, Well, I guess one thing to say, this one was different in the sense that it came after the Uluru statement, which which, was informed by the referendum council, so it's a little bit different in the respect that uh, this one kind of was the first report to have I guess an Indigenous-led it, whereas the others didn't really have that foundation. Um, So this one was, I guess, in response to the Uluru statement in the Referendum Council and looking at uh, what could be done about, um, about implementing that and speaking to especially Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people all around the country, but others as well, about what they'd like to see happen and how we could progress towards making that happen.
2: And so what the report has said is essentially that there needs to be some more work done before we get to a referendum on this issue. I guess, given that we've had eight reports in, in eight years, what's your take on that? I mean, do we need to do a whole lot more work before this goes to, to the people to potentially change the Constitution, to enshrine a voice voice in Parliament or um, a voice to Parliament, sorry, or, or anything else as included as part of this package?
1: Yeah, so I, I personally don't believe we do I think a lot of that has already been done, and especially out of the last process of the Referendum Council and the Uluru Statement, there is a Indigenous-specific um, proposal that's been put forward that can lead towards referendum. Uh, so the group, the Indigenous members of the Referendum Council and their legal advisors um, put a submission forward through the process to, with this latest report as well. Um, the emphasis on the report is to head into a... a to try and flush it out a bit more because they feel that because of a number of submissions that were received on different design proposals that there's a little bit of disagreement in the community about what the best way forward is um, but I guess the way I read that and, and the way I've seen it is that there is uh, some remarkable similarity in all of the proposals about having a First Nations voice in the throne. and I feel um, yeah, we're probably being a little bit overly cautious about um, you know, making this happen, and we need some political leadership to really kind of drive that forward and, and make it happen. After what's been a while, trying to get there.
0: And the the report was commended to the Parliament by Senator Patrick Dodson, and also Julian Lisa, who's a, a Liberal MP. And it was interesting when I was reading the sort of the I suppose it's the forward of of the report. Um, they they state that quote beyond the poetry of the statement from the heart is the prose of political reality and i was interested in how you might take a statement like that this idea that yeah political reality might be quite different to what the statement says although you know surveys of the australian population has shown that people are quite supportive of what the uluru statement actually told us
1: yeah i think you're exactly right there i think um there's a little bit of a bubble i mean lots of people talk all the time about the bubble in canberra and everything else but what political reality is with regards to bipartisanship if we're talking about labor liberal you know the major parties um and with you know and then we were talking more broadly about the support in the community and what can be achieved i think there is broad public support i don't think the political realities are as harsh as what they have been presented I think that's where you know the political leadership really needs to be taken up to kind of drive drive that message forward. Have some positive attitudes from our national political leaders, you know, put towards this. Not everyone is ever going to agree, um, especially in Indigenous community. But coming out of Uluru, there is this large support, there is large public support that's come through in a number of different national surveys as well. Uh, So I don't think those political realities are as harsh as what they're made out to be.
2: And we've seen over time the the way that this has been played out politically with the the government funding the recognised campaign um, and then following on in in Victoria with, um, I think, a delegation of of 500 Indigenous leaders saying that they didn't just want constitutional recognition, a treaty is what was kind of the the priority for them. Since that time, we've had the Uluru Statement from the Heart and kind of a a dismissal of that minimalist style of constitutional recognition, which was being spoken about by, by some members of the government at the time. But with this new report, even though we don't have as yet a clear path to a referendum, we have had the ALP say, um, heard Linda Burney say that they would uh, make a referendum happen in their first term of government if they achieve government. Does it seem like we are kind of heading in the right direction at last, perhaps, after quite a few years of um, you know not really getting getting a long way at all?
1: Yeah, I think it is. And I think one of the clearest things you know, out of this process has been another opportunity for indigenous peoples' voice to be heard on, on what meaningful, you know, constitutional change but along with the treaties and the truth telling would be for them. But some of the politicians and some of the national leaders, so even Bill Shorten too, has said previously that he would like to move towards a treaty and to one day have treaties as well. Um so, you know, these things are separate from one another and um, you know, um, I, I definitely see the voice and moving towards that um, being the basic foundational that we need to achieve now. And I think that's well recognised. It's not going to be enough just to have some kind of symbolic statement. But that's also going to help towards things that are happening in Victoria and um, hopefully will be picked up again in South Australia and other states as well.
0: Uh, Eddie Sinnett's with us, he's with Griffiths University and we're talking about uh, well, various things, but um, the Uluru Statement from the Heart and the First Nations Voice to Parliament and a recent report that's just been commended to the Parliament which is a Joint Select Committee report Uh, and I mean one thing that we hear a lot, Eddie, is about the voice and this new report, the Select Committee report, looks at this a lot. Can you explain what's meant by that, the voice?
1: Um, So In this specific proposal, I guess that's been put forward as a a First Nations voice, um, it would be having uh, this body or a power in the Constitution enshrined so that Parliament can set up a um, body which would then be up to the parliament to um, determine how how that would be set out and how members and stuff like that would be and it would enable to, um, you know, Indigenous people the opportunity to get our uh, different um, issues or whatever it is where we're dealing with in the community onto the national agenda uh, with the federal parliament.
2: And earlier, um, Eddie, you alluded to a submission, Submission 479, that was written by members of the Referendum Council, which um, hasn't sort of been, I guess, uh, let's say properly acknowledged, I guess, or, or is at the heart of this recent um, Joint Parliamentary Committee report on, on the path forward for constitutional recognition. But that submission was written by Professor Megan Davis, Noel Pearson, people who have a lot of skin in the game, who've really been working on this for, for many years and walking through the the political complexity complexities of it all as well and in that submission they included a uh, referendum question a potential referendum question and a draft bill on the design of the voice it seems like given there's been a lot of work going into this it's pretty comprehensive will the the work that, that that has been done do you think be properly incorporated into what's happening now at the governmental kind of parliamentary level
1: um I, i'm hopeful that it will be and i think it's important what you said there is a lot of work that has gone into that uh, one of the difficult things, I guess, with the First Nation Blues or with this whole process, is there's a lot of different, um, you know, areas to it. So you've got constitutional experts, you've got people in the community that have their concerns around different things too. Um, so a lot of roadblocks have been put up along the way. And um, I think we're finally starting to see a turn, though, rather than seeing them as roadblocks, but actually turning into conversations about how they can be overcome, or you know whether or not they actually are the roadblock that people perceive them to be. So I think that is an important submission, and it does you know, explain a lot of the different uh, different issues that people have put up as well, and about how they can be dealt with. So um, hopefully, you know, moving into the future.
0: Yeah, and and, I mean, when you reflect now over eight years of reports, Eddie, I mean, are you seeing that having individual uh, members of the Parliament, Linda Burney, Patrick Dodson, has been significant to this sort of latest step in the process?
1: Uh, Yeah, yes, definitely. So um, I became heavily interested in this kind of stuff as I was just becoming a, a lawyer, um, but obviously through my previous life as an Indigenous person and other things I was involved in, and then it formed a major part of my um, postgraduate studies and everything else too. Um, but having you know Indigenous representatives in Parliament um, and having more of that emphasis placed on what is meaningful... Um, I guess meaningful recognition, but meaningful, you know, constitutional recognition for Indigenous peoples has played a major part. I think in kind of uh, changing the messaging from, you know, something that would be merely symbolic and actually explaining the importance of what a First Nations voice could be too. That it even though some people do perceive it as potentially just being symbolic, but it does actually carry a lot more weight than that and the ability to be able to influence the decision-making processes and structures, especially of the federal government, is something quite powerful in itself.
0: And so that move or that decision by the Prime Minister at the time, Malcolm Turnbull, to reject ultimately reject the the statement from the heart was a real blow to a lot of people i suppose a, lo- a, a lot of people weren't surprised either that it was dismissed in the way it was but i think um, many of us thought maybe that was the end of that particular um you know the momentum that was gathering around the uluru statement from the heart but that that hasn't been the case so it really that work is carrying on
1: yeah that's very important i There is a large amount of public support. And I guess for Indigenous people, uh, whether it's this, you know, perhaps not this specific model of a First Nations voice, but we've been campaigning and fighting hard for generations to have our voice heard in in various different ways. So we literally have given generations to the cause. So uh, one small hiccup, which can play out in different ways and it has done previously for us, but it's been great with the continued... Public support and awareness, and I guess willingness of non-Indigenous Australia as well, which is what we really need too, because it is a shared responsibility, you know, together to be able to get something that's going to be momentous reform over the line.
0: Well, thank you so much for talking with us about it on Triple R today, and um, we can um, recommend your article in the conversation on this. Um, Eddie's written really eloquently about um, where we've got to, uh, and I suppose you know you write quite hopefully, Eddie, about about the future. So hopefully we can touch base with you again next year, and um, we've got a couple of elections, um, so we can um, touch base with you again and see where we get to with this one. Thanks so much for your time today.
1: Not a problem, thanks
0: for having me. Uh, Eddie Sinnett. he's an Indigenous lawyer and researcher at Griffith University and he's been writing on this topic and as you can hear following it for a very long time and being a participant as well. can some people know him as a broadcaster, others a children's book author and a growing number as the founder of and work experience at Speakola. It's Tony Wilson. That was your gag. I just it took was. it. It
3: was. You didn't even call me the work experience kid. You called oh, kid. me all oh, the work experience. Like, student. Sounds like, we, sounds like I really have got Didn't that I say kid. kid?
0: I meant student. <laughs> it's because I took your gag. I'm trying to run with it. That's didn't right. work.
3: I, I forgive you, Kylie no, And thank you, Grapeviners, for having me in. Pleasure. Um, big time of the year, isn't it? Well, as I just said on Twitter, this is like the Emmys but with less cocaine. Uh, <laughs> it is the speeches, the only speeches awards delivered anywhere in the world, as far as I can see. No one cares about this as a <laughs> as a <laughs> art form that ought to receive a statuette. So I have taken a photo of a statue and you do get a virtual statuette for winning a Speak Oli for Speech of the Year. Right. Right. Do
0: you tell people they're in the running?
3: No, I decide 20 minutes before I come on air here who should win in a kind of a fairly hasty and Dylan saying, can you give me some audio? What audio should I do? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it's a pretty it unjust um, voting system. Uh, but I, did, I actually did spend a few hours last night looking to see what the speeches that I've put up in 2018 are. And this the site kind of does two roles so in some ways it's trying to bring people's attention to the speeches that are kind of flooding the internet like Michelle Wolf's White House Correspondence Speech that's certainly in the running for Speech of the Year mm, this year one. but um but at the same time, I'm kind of also into, you know, the the, the roadhog of Europe speech by David Lloyd George in 1914 and stuff like that. So the site is also trying to look at what are the speeches of all time. Yeah, but the speak specifically is that the best speech of, 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 the year? Year. of the year? I mean, I have had an archival um, one, like in the sense that one might get more traffic than any other or have a real explosion. For example, I've had um, three or four thousand hits over the last couple of nights for a speech by a guy called Bob Rathsky, um, who did a speech for Mark Fisher? Mark Fisher was an AIDS activist in the late '80s, early '90s, and as was Bob Rasky, and he died days before the 1992 um, presidential election. and And he his famous words were "Bury me furiously," and the corpse is taken to the step of the Bush campaign headquarters, and so a dead body is just there, and and the eulogy to Mark Fisher is delivered by Rob Bob Rasky, which is an unbelievable speech but there's um you know uh, age activists having a having a um having a protest there and very little had been done by the bush administration towards this epidemic that was you know just killing people in their in their tens of thousands um and bury me furiously is a famous speech and so because bush has died Mm. and um and it was uh, international aids day two days ago that speech goes bang, and you get three or four thousand hits on that one. It's kind of fun looking at the metrics yeah. to see mm. what people are finding.
0: So it's not just me and Dylan heading to Speakola and uh, checking it out. And uh, I mean, what I love about what you're doing with it, Tony, is that you are putting together not just Really famous speeches, but a whole bunch of different speeches. People that people write for their brothers at weddings or birthday parties or you know um, eulogies, things like this, and you and you put them all on the one site.
3: Well, I love that. There's an element of when I was doing it, I was thinking, well, TED Talks have got this. If I had to say who gives the awards, and they don't give awards, but the the, the place for speeches is TED, mm. and a lot of people follow it. And they they do a great job, and there've been some amazing TED talks. But the thing I sort of thought about them is they always end up the same shape there's always the same background and it's a bit of a template there's, there's a template to them and and so you're invited to do one and then you structure it almost to the template and i thought well that sort of misses out on what you know great speaking is about which is usually about a moment and so uh, the one, I, the example I just gave you was Jeremy Corbyn, 2003, Iraq War, Streets of London, um, where he is speaking to a rally there. And, you know, I don't know what you think of Jeremy Corbyn because he doesn't always present in his transcendental uh, way, but he, he is unbelievable when he goes. So he did one at Glastonbury that's one of the best ever British speeches, mm-hmm. and he did one um, on the streets of London for the Iraq War la- rally in 2003. And that should exist in its six minutes or whatever or its five minutes. As this sort of perfect piece of oratory. And, and uh, you know, it's not a TED talk. And a lot of speeches just aren't TED talks. They're, you know, they're Mark Twain at a New York restaurant on his 70th birthday. They're, they're your dad at his 70th birthday. They're, you know, it's all that sort of thing. And, and, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to make the place where speeches, kind of the great speeches, just gather where and whatever they were. Speaking of Mark Twain, can I just. The time good. just felt right.
0: And a great louis Dreyfus. Here she is. GC no less. Anybody would be lucky to be a part of a night like this honoring somebody like me, right? <laughs> um, as a great fan of the work of Mark Twain, I was so sorry when I recently learned he was dead. <laughs> my my thoughts and prayers go out to the whole Twain family. A the wonderful
3: Shania. Now that is a Here solid gag. <laughs> that is such a good speech. So that is a real contender for the gold speak Oli, for speech of the year. It's so funny throughout. She um, she starts off with the it's almost the character of Elaine, you know that she didn't want to do the the Mark Twain Awards because she thought she was having to honour someone else, <laughs> but then of course it ha- happens to be her and her attitude turns one eighty degrees, and <laughs> and then she gets into this motif that's really cleverly done, which. is That she was, she's even better at drama (laughs) than comedy, (laughs) and uh, and she should have been Portia in uh, in The Merchant of Venice, and she's angry that she wasn't cast, and it's just done brilliantly. You laugh throughout, and and then she does the turn towards the back end with the cancer diagnosis, and and how uh, laughter is the best medicine, and a decent line where she says, uh, which is just as well because that's what the current administration wants to replace Obamacare with. So, um, (laughs) just a a first class speech, lots of good political jibes, lots of fantastic uh, and just original ways to thank people and all in all it's just a 10 out of 10. Absolutely. So either the Speak as I said, a huge amount of work goes into them, but either the Speak Oli for comedy or the, the gold Speak ollie for spe- Speech of the Year. Mm.
0: And so there's lots of, I mean, there's lots of speeches on, on Speak ollie. There's a lot that come out of the United States because they give as a whole, they're pretty articulate people and give pretty amazing speeches but do you think also because we have the kind of person in the in the white house that we do it is prompting people to have so much passion behind their speeches and really think about how they want to ex- you know, express how they're feeling right now.
3: Well, I wonder whether Americans are more comfortable in that kind of stage-taking, big moment, oratory thing than Australians or Brits. Um, I don't. Certainly, I don't think um, there's there's great speeches from everywhere. And I have been working on trying to just get as many speeches from all different countries as I, as I can. And I've already got you know from India. I think I put up thirty or forty speeches, and they're the second most. Um, traffic on the site is indians so and the first is americans but the the reason i think that america gets so many of the speeches on speakola is that they just saturate the news cycle. So mm. the Parkland shooting, I've got six speeches up from the Parkland shooting and I've got um, the White House correspondence goes up each year and when presidents resign, uh, you know, the presidents get their big speeches up each year and presidential funerals and eulogies get up and and it, it does sort of feel as though that global news sensation doesn't happen as much for the uk or even australia and i was trying to think what are the great australian political speeches of this year so i mean last year i think there were some really good speeches around marriage equality and and penny wong was you know when i was sitting here last year i was talking about a parliamentary speech she delivered Um, but this year i mean there's been a lot of complaining about Scott Morrison and there's sort of been a reasonably low level of politics but yeah, who's you're not actually going to nominate Fraser Anning I assume No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, I mean I guess it stands out as a significant speech Ooh. and I did put um uh, Pauline Hanson's maiden speech on SpeakOla as a significant speech in Australian history but there's a much much better speech obviously uh, the response by Paul, Paul Keating in the months after Pauline Hanson's speech is on SpeakOla and that's an incredible speech um, after he was Prime Minister about the lowering of the tone of Australian politics which is um, well, he didn't use those expressions Paul Keating was reasonably good at lowering the tone but um, <laughs> but talking about the direction it would have taken in terms of racism and, and, and that sort Sort of thing mm. uh, but but yeah, the, it is a good question, why so many Americans, probably just dominance of the viral speech environment. Um, and and yes, they're comfortable on their feet, a lot of them.
2: And sometimes for good reason as well. I mean, that uh, speech by Emma Gonzalez after the Parkland Elementary mass shooting was pretty visceral stuff. So we have, like, overly very staged presidential or or political speeches, but then these ones just seem to come straight from the heart. So
3: this one, I think, is the speech of the year. So this should get the gold speak, Ollie. It was unbelievable. Uh, She read it, and there are elements of the delivery which are too fast or whatever, but what to? Anything with this? This is close to perfect in terms of, an emotional response, and I always say to people, if you're trying to give a eulogy or something, and you're worried about breaking down, like just don't worry, because the actual emotion that is conveyed uh, usually helps the speech. And, and you know, this is just an amazing um, 10 minutes that where she, first of all, rebuts pretty much every um, argument that the gun, gun lobby have, and then mm. she does this rallying we call BS. Let's just hear the very end of that speech. To make caricatures of the teenagers nowadays, saying that all we are is self. Involved and trend obsessed, and they
0: hush us into submissions. When our message doesn't reach the ears of the nation, we are prepared to call BS. Politicians, politicians who sit in their gilded House and Senate seats, funded by the NRA, telling us nothing could have ever been done to prevent this, we call BS. We say that tough. They say that tougher gun laws do not decrease gun violence. We call. B.S. They say a good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun. We call B.S. B.S. They say guns are just tools like knives and are as dangerous as cars.
1: We call B.S. B.S. No, they say that no
3: laws. So she gets set out the day after. I mean, it's just phenomenal to think that, what they'd gone through, those kids, and then by the next day they were able to hit those notes. And, and it is you know just a standout that it will it has created a movement. And, in fact, you could argue that her speech at the the March for Our Lives a couple of months later where she stood in the, um, in the mall in, in Washington and there were a couple of hundred thousand people there and she stayed silent for the period that the gunman was in the school. I think it was four minutes and 20 seconds she stood there silent yeah, it's just an incredibly powerful device, and it very, very clever, gifted, um, you know, an articulate girl, woman, um, and yeah, you know, she she wins this year.
0: Yeah, amazing. Mm. And um, I, I you know I've I've thought about that speech a lot. And I think a lot of people have. And it, the other day I got swept up in the young, you know, the the school strike for climate action. Yeah. The other day when I went through the city and I was there and my colleagues and we we all joined in and. I was thinking about that then too, that these kids, when, when they call out political leaders and they were doing it, in, you know, completely different issue, but calling them out last Friday in Melbourne and saying, you want us to go back to school and learn the science that you're going to ignore... It's like whoa that, it really yeah. hits you that uh, they're, they're going they, they are going to speak out young people and when they do it's powerful. And incredibly. I, I bet
3: and I wasn't there to record some of those, but I bet there's one and if someone would send it to me that would be great. The video that wasn't
0: a speech. That was the, the okay. chanting uh, yeah. and stuff like that that I heard. So I don't know. if People have recorded that. But,
3: yes, but they anything there, from I'm that sure. day I'd love, um, and certainly the local ones are you know just really important and great. Um, so yeah, but uh, young speakers of the year. There's one. Um, I actually haven't got her name in front of me because. Um, but there was a young speaker at the mall, the March for Our Lives, as mm-hmm. well, that went really big. Um, the she big frizzy hair and eleven years old. Incredible speech. As well. Yeah, right? amazing. Hmm. Well, what other kind of honourable mentions are there? So for, let me, uh, political speech local, I, when I said what's the best political speech locally for the year, this is one that was recommended by a regular listener to you guys um, called Finn Meir and um, he's a disability activist and in fact our first parliamentarian who has had a dis- disability is a guy called uh, Jordan John, a Green Senator from WA and he gave a speech um, saying that the Aged-, Aged Care Royal Commission should be extended The terms of reference should be extended to include um, people who have been killed and harmed in care who have a disability and um, he used parliamentary privilege to name the cases of um, children, a lot of them as children, who'd been killed or who'd died in care and um, it was just unbelievable And, and just what I said before about hearing the emotion in the voice, he, he just ploughed on and it was, I would say, the outstanding political speech of 2018 locally. And one that kind of flew under the radar as well, that one. Was, say. <laughs> of his fellow senators too, there were about four mm. in the uh, chamber. I think it occurred at cool. night actually. Within a moment of decision. Before us now is a question. Will justice be done for disabled people? Or will we once again miss the opportunity to ensure that those in our nation who are so often made voiceless remain so? Tonight, I'd like to read from a passage of a speech given by my fellow disability activist and advocate Craig Wallace, who in 2015, as part of the White Flower Memorial, to commemorate all those who have died in institutional and residential care
2: spoke to the sorrow and pain of our
3: community. And this is an incredible list. Like, he goes through the circumstances in which the kids, and some of them are adults as well, have died, and it is really painful listening. Um, and I commend him for doing it, and um, and hopefully the terms of reference will be updated. Um, I'm not sure what the response has been, mm. but um, that is uh, that is the outstanding, I think, political local speech for the year. In film and TV, Dylan and Carlyer, I put down um, Oprah Winfrey at the Golden Globes. Um, one of the things about running this site is you sometimes have your your preconceptions about certain individuals blown out of the water. There's a brilliant speech on SpeakOla by Ashton Kutcher Right. Who really nailed it Talking at the <laughs> Teen Choice Awards I just can't tell you how, what a perfectly structured Little commencement speech he gave <laughs> About um, looks And superficiality um, At the Teen Choice Awards, really fantastic But Oprah Winfrey gave a very famous speech This year which was the Cecil B. DeMille Award recipient speech And she pretty much announced herself As a presidential candidate at the time There was a lot of fuss um, But very she has the real skill And just cannot undersell her skill of being able to intertwine the personal with the political. She's, delivery is honed across 30 years. She's funny when she has to be. She's, um, you know, emotional. She's, yeah. For She's all a the, superstar. For all the syrup and the uh, the sort of uh, thoughts we have when we think of Oprah, which is uh, lots of <laughs> tissues on and uh, sort of big moments of fake tears and cars, cars being, being delivered. Away, yes, you I know
0: what, saying. I think of, I, when I think of Oprah Winfrey for some reason, I think of Tom Cruise jumping on a yeah, couch, yeah,
3: unfortunately. Yeah, um, unfortunately There is a lot of that. Get out of your mind. So, uh, Oprah gets that one. Uh, we'll give Julia Lewis dreyfus the comedy one. For spoken word, there's a guy called Stephen Murphy on the site and he was really pleased he let me put it up because it was on his Facebook and elsewhere, but it's called Before You Push the Chair and it's a story, it's a poem about suicide that he delivered it at a pub um, in near limerick um, and it's such a beautiful and amazing and powerful thing and i highly recommend anyone um, who's uh, you know well I don't just think it's for people who've suffered depression but it's certainly an amazing articulation of what depression can be like um, so he gets the spoken word one for sport locally I think it might be Martin Flanagan sharing with Bob Murphy they delivered uh, the address at the MCC this year which is um, the Norm Smith um, oration and it was a f- fantastic speech I'm still tracking down Bob's part in order to put it round on Speakola but uh, the the overseas speech of the year, just for sheer weeping, uh, pa- passion, and emotion, and thanking your father brilliantly. Uh, a guy called Jason Colch who won the Super Bowl. He's got a great speech up there and wins the sports speech of the year. Um, for wedding speech, hey, I only got one because people send me <laughs> some wedding speeches. <laughs> Not that many have been coming in in two thousand and eight. But it's a good one though. The one that you the one Wern, you have. Oh it's really good. It's such a good speech. So thank you, Suzette. Um, that's our winner. Of the wedding speech by of default, the year. but I mean, great speech, all the same. In the eulogy category, well done to um, overseas. It's probably Joe Biden for John McCain. That, that was a pretty amazing eulogy, um, and he's that's outpointing Barack Obama as well at the same funeral. But it's I haven't had as many um, eulogies this year. Mm. There was one for Winnie Mandela that I put up, um, but the Don Watson one for Michael Gordon, the age um, journalist. I, I put up almost the whole. Uh, Michael Gordon funeral. So there were so many good speeches at it. I haven't put up Michael um, Paul Keatings, uh, but certainly I put up uh, Don Watson's at the end, and you know, and he put up a uh, uh, you know just the end of that one where he talks about the sort of person Michael. Gordon was it is a good one and there's a really thing or two
2: about speeches Don Watson as well
3: uh, just brilliant <laughs> so really funny at the start really heartfelt at the end brilliant use of a poem um, and pretty much leads me into the the sort of family and friends eulogy as well and there were a few for those but Serena Ryan who um, wrote for her mum Marie Bernadette I thought that was just um, outstanding and beautiful and made me cry uh, Ben Cook for his wife and Ben's kids spoke at that funeral as well for Kimberly Walker um, just an incredible. I don't give an award for the speakolis for eulogies. I feel as though everyone's pretty much a winner if you can put up um, your, your the, the, the speech for your loved ones. Um, And Sarah Gordon as well for Father Michael, um, and and she spoke with her brother as well, and that that's just a a lovely speech. You know, just two days before Dad's big, beautiful, generous heart stopped beating, he came to our place for dinner, and a little anecdote that finishes. And she's uh, really got the knack with words as well. So um, they were the notable eulogies on the site, um, with some others as well for 2018.
0: Tony Wilson's with us, awarding the um from the Speakola website that he uh, found is, uh, founded and runs. And um, I wanted to bring up uh, another one. I, I don't know, think that you mentioned it then, was it uh, Edward Phillip? Um, uh, and, and look, it has been, you know, there's been a lot of speeches around the commemoration of World War One. Yeah. Lots. Uh, but this one made it onto Speak I don't know how many others are there, but it is a very moving
3: speech. Oh, this is if the the French have really done well this year in the Speak least. Yeah. Um, I think uh, uh, Macron um, and his speech at Congress is right up there for the International Political Speech of the Year. Uh, but this one is just so beautiful, sort of in the spirit of some of that soaring Don Watson rhetoric from the early 90s here in Australia with the Redfin speech or the, um, or the, the eulogy to the, the unknown soldier, there's um, one like listen to this sort of words, this was all delivered in French, so it was at the commemoration of the villes Bretonneur Museum on Anzac Day um, and it was the centenary of that um, battle this year Um, The earth is more important to the soldier than to anybody else, continues Eric Maria remark. The earth is his only friend his brother, his mother, he groans out his terror and screams into its silence and safety, and for many young Australians, this earth was their final safe place for many of them this earth was the final confidant of a thought or a word intended for a loved one from the other side of the world loved ones who would only learn the sad news several months later and sort of continues on and it's it's very high art that speech Mm. it's really um you know, it's a real lesson, you know, when people sit there and crank out there and we open this museum and here's the plaque and well <laughs> done, everyone. And
0: also when when here, you know, ANZAC has become a, a thing, you know, um, where we've talked about lots on this program this year and over several years, as many people have, that ANZAC is becoming something different to what it meant to those people that were fighting in World War One, uh, and to have it come back to us through French that this is the experiences of the people that were sent and yeah. where they died is really powerful. Mm.
3: It is. It's an amazing one. So <laughs> I'll give that one the foreign language speak only. <laughs> I expect to get a really nice JPEG. Um, you know what? He's not waving France. a cigar around as he's doing <laughs> no. this Just saying. So there's um, been a lot of good me too ones as well mm. this year. So um, I think probably the one that stands out, um, I, there was one in, a, in the Vasa trial from the American gymnasts. That was an amazing piece of testimony from... I'm uh, having a mental blank on her name so she she doesn't get the JPEG because I haven't got it in front of me <laughs> uh, but it was uh, that was pretty good and also one who's perennially nominated pretty much one of the great speakers on the planet is a Scot called Myrie Black um, and she did one about the misogyny she receives every day, so she was writing about, you know and so she read it out, she's the first person to say can I do a language war- war- warning here um, she's the f- first, first person to say um, the Cunt word in, pri- in 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 Parliament. in Parliament. She gets away with it because she's a Scot, so it's quant, which sounds a lot better than uh, when we say. But she said um, she just read out all the things that people say to her.
2: Yeah, and, and says I, I will not. Um, you know, I'll read it out as I've received them. Basically, yeah, so, so you, you should, should deal with it.
3: You should deal with it because I deal with it. Mm. That's what she says. And yeah. it's, um, So it's a fantastic speech as well, and, and really, you track down any number of hers, and she's been good enough to let me put them on as well. So mm.
2: well, it's. Pretty impossible to anticipate the year ahead in speeches, but I mean, we've got a federal election coming up at some time. There's, you know, other things we can foresee happening over the next 12 months. Where do you think they might come from? Oh, well, certainly
3: they'll year? be.
0: Bill Shorten. I've
3: got one on the site that I'm meaning to transcribe. So the idea of SpeakOver is that I transcribe everything. So there's not going to be a speech up there that isn't transcribed because mm. you can just go to YouTube to look for the the, the videos of the speeches, but I want to have. The transcriptions and um, there's a pub address. If you look up Shorten and pub address, but that's with him sort of standing on a chair to unionists in a pub, yelling pretty much. And I feel like that is him at his best. You know, the, he's he gives some, and he's also given an amazing eulogy when Bob Ellis died, like a beautifully written thing, and one of the better speeches on speakola is Bill Shorten. So the idea of Soaring oratory and Bill Shorten seems to be a, a what's that word, an oxymoron. But the, the, um, I think he can do it when he's, when it's demanded and, and he will win this election and he may deliver a good speech mm-hmm. along the way.
0: And uh, before you let we, you go, as I said right at the beginning, um, people know you as a children's book author as well. We actually had, uh, last week Sally Rippin in studio, uh, with Lisa from the little book room, kind of giving people some summer. Um, picks, books to pick, and uh, yeah. Tell us what books have, you've got to pick oh, from. Oh, so I'm
3: not going to give you any range to pick from, although I did just read that uh, magnificent Davina Bell picture book, by the way, which everyone, all the ways to be smart, they would have mentioned that. That um, was
0: their number one pick, yeah. actually. So
3: I read that in the bookshop the other day and went, oh, damn you, Davina Bell. I wish I had <laughs> have thought something that good. <laughs>
0: And the illustrations are
3: incredible, yeah, aren't they? Incredible. So there's one. That'll, that'll, that's the one, only one of the So you the agree with list, Sally?
0: We've got Furious Agreement here on a great one. So moment.
3: that's the only one that you'll remember from this little spiel. But now let me get on to my ones. Um, there's one called Red Ned, which is about a kid with red hair who puts a bin on his head because he makes a mess of his haircut. And then he gets mistaken as Ned Kelly and people throw a whole lot of riches at him um, as he wanders the streets looking for a barber. So that's called Red Ned, which you can get through Book Depository. Uh, But I did want to say that I've I've bowed to the idea of a small amount of self-publishing, which is that I reprinted a 10th anniversary edition of Harry High Pants and I will sign books for kids for Christmas. If you send me a message on, you know, Twitter or Facebook or uh, send me an email through tonywilson.com.au, I can um, sign books and send them out, and I don't have a publisher. It's just me and the 10th anniversary edition of one of my most popular books. So DIY. DIY, and uh, I pretty much have all my books. If you want any of the others, I'll send them as well with a signature. So just send me a note, and I'll I'll get back to you, and we can organise the... You give me an address. I'll give you a bank account. It's going to (laughs) be... <laughs> amazingly official
0: and and we'll try and order all of those speeches into like you know, starting with gold Speak only right yep. through to sport and foreign mm. language we'll try and organise that and put it up on our Facebook page as well so you can check it out and chase it down and share
3: it well, and, It's um, just great amazing to partner stuff. on this enormous awards ceremony and now we have to try to get rid of, we'll just go and handle the press out there now That's and right. it will all, <laughs> all be fine Yeah,
0: there I'm um, waiting for you there Tony Wilson um, Send me speeches everyone uh, Work Experience Kid at Speak Ola Thanks so much for coming in again, it's really great to have you
2: Thanks, Thanks Tony
0: It is our last show for the year, we're kicking off um, our summer break. It feels earlier, but it's actually the same time every year. It we kind much of is. Yeah. make way for the summer grid to kick in. So because and because I
2: selfishly be <laughs> go to Meredith and don't want to do the show <laughs> the Monday after, <laughs> that's to be honest. That's, that's true.
0: Do it. <laughs> I know we we don't do the day after Meredith. Although I I actually never really go down there. Mm. I should actually. I should be. Jumping on your coattails and well, hanging yeah. out, pitching the tent next next door. You don't
2: have a show, so what's that's used right. To what have? am I in
0: Melbourne for? <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, and but I wanted to say thank you, Dylan. I mean, this is you can't thank yourself for being the producer of this show as well as a co-host. <laughs> for, if you were Donald prob- Trump, you would thank yeah, yourself. I probably shouldn't <laughs> give thanks to myself. But um, thank you for everything that you do behind the scenes as well as on air. Uh, and I wanted to say if, if it, thanks to other people, um, Dan, who does our podcast, and he turns up every Monday and does that. He does, yeah. Elizabeth McCarthy, who helps. Out um, Beck, who's the program manager here, Archie, who, um, you know, you hear us reading some of the cuts, but he keeps all the promotions it and does, everything He does and jumps going. in at the
2: last minute when I've got a band that I can't kind of set up myself as well. Archie jumps in and makes it all happen, which is yeah, pretty good.
0: Yeah, so many um, wonderful people here at Triple R making everything work. And uh, regular guests, Dave, um, who we had on recently, um, Dave Nichols, Ken Walker, Sally Rippon, um, together with us, um, they're our team that brings this show to you every Monday throughout the year and uh yeah so we're off for about seven weeks
2: we are we'll be back in late jan i think it is
0: and a going to stick um, um keep your company between now and christmas and then you'll have all sorts of other exciting things to listen to through january before we
2: return mm. and you don't get to thank yourself either so i'm <laughs> going to thank you for being an amazing <laughs> co-host with such a can do attitude and so easy to work with and, and so smart so thank you for another, another year on air
0: well we love being here don't we we do and, um, we actually, we've got to the point where we can't really describe this show anymore. Um, people ask me, so what's your show about on Triple R? And it's like, uh.
2: Stuff we're kind of interested topical in. Topical <laughs> current affairs.
0: Stuff that really piques our interest and that we want to learn more about. And um, and that we think
2: isn't necessarily being covered as much yep. as it should be elsewhere as well. That's really, um, the thing that's forefront of our mind when we're, we're covering issues on this show.
0: And also the voices, like, um, particularly in the Pacific area, trying to get people on the ground to tell us what's happening rather than being filtered, um, through, you know, other correspondents or uh, Australians or governments mm. um, reporting from there. So anyway, we've had a blast this year. We will be back in January. Uh, keep it locked to Triple R through the summer. I know a lot of people enjoy the summer grid, we do. And uh, stay safe, have fun. And uh, Rochelle is going to take you through the next hour with Room With A View. Uh, so we're going to cross over to her and enjoy your Monday. Enjoy
2: it. This is the Grapevine signing off for 2018.
0: This has been a podcast from 3 R 102.7 FM in Melbourne.